0: Welcome to Life in Context, a conversational podcast where we explore life and relationships in the context of Christian faith, relationship with Jesus, biblical truth, and emotionally healthy practices. I'm your host, Esther.
1: And I'm your host, Jill. We come from different backgrounds and life experiences and bring our different professional and personal skills and training to our conversations. We agree on many things and we differ on other things. That's part of what we enjoy about our conversations. We love to encourage and challenge each other and our listeners to consider new approaches, new ideas,
0: and ways to think about life within the context of our faith. It's always our hope in these podcasts to bring real-life strategies, positive ideas, and faith-building practices that can be applied to these sometimes challenging topics that we all face in life. So let's get into today's topic. Esther.
1: Hi, Jill. We're back. We are... We were on a brief hiatus, but it's awesome to be back in the studio with you. It is. And I know you have some very interesting topics
0: for us to get into today.
1: I do. I want to say I'm excited, but I don't know how excited we should be about the envy and <laughs> jealousy. But we're going to explore envy and jealousy in the context of our relationships and uh, possibly in our our childhood experience as well. And I know you pulled up the the definitions for envy and jealousy. Maybe you can run
0: those by us. Great. So jealousy is the feeling that someone might take what is yours. And you might be jealous of your stuff, of relationships. It can create a hostile feeling towards someone because someone has something and you might perceive it that they have it. They might not actually even have it, but if you perceive that they have it, something that you want, and it creates this kind of a rival system for possessions, advantages, resources, or achievements. Envy is this painful or resentful awareness that somebody has something, whether that's an advantage or an item, they have something and you begin to feel malicious or begrudging. And for envy, you would rather that neither one of you Mm -hmm. have it than somebody else have it and you don't have it. So that's that kind of a feeling like there's only so much of this advantage and I not only want it but I want theirs. Right. In jealousy, sometimes you can feel like I I want what they have, but I don't need to take theirs away in order to have it. I just feel bad. Right. I just feel feel bad bad about it. I relate envy actually as what leads
1: to murder. where Cain murdered Abel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually can see that in quite a few of our Bible friends where that envy actually led to murder. We see that with Joseph and his brothers That their envy of Joseph led them to almost murder him. But thank you, Ruben, for stopping (laughs) that tragic
0: event. Uh, And, And jealousy can also make you really possessive and really protective over your rights and your possessions. And out of that jealousy, that feeling like whatever you have, you have to protect it. Controlling. Controlling. It can create systems of inequity. It can create systems of unfairness. So it's got a lot of negative connotations, both jealousy and envy. I think the only jealousy that's good is the jealousy of the Lord.
1: Right. And I understand the jealousy of the Lord as he's a jealous God because he's our father Mm -hmm. and doesn't share us with anyone. And I remember having a conversation with a a young lady who was exploring the faith and, and couldn't understand what that meant. And I said to her, well, she has three sons. So I said, well, you just imagine if you went to daycare to pick up your three sons and four other moms stepped up and said, well, those are my sons. How would you feel? And she went, ah, those are my kids. Better back off. Right. So that was like, that was a jealousy in a, like, th- those, are, those are my children and you will not take them.
0: Yes. And I think there's an, another time and place where sometimes at least the awareness of jealousy can have some benefits. So sometimes jealousy, if we really pay attention to where we're feeling jealous, it tells us where we're lacking. And sometimes we begin to think I'm jealous because they're happy and I became jealous of their advantages or like insecurity, right? And really what it's telling me is I need to look and see if there's something missing. I need to spend some time with the Lord and see what holes there are. If There's something wounded or broken. So jealousy can be kind of a red flag for us to look and go, what's going on behind that? What's triggered that? And if I'm feeling jealous over my possessions or really protective over my rights or my opportunities, I might begin to, to think about where fear has settled in. I was just going to say that. Where is there fear around that? Of right, loss? Of loss. The fear of loss. And so I think that there can be that place for jealousy sometimes it helps us identify what is missing what we are striving for particularly if you see somebody who maybe has a lot of joy and happiness is different but somebody who's really walking in joy you can sense that feeling i'm jealous i wish i could feel joy and then you go i'm going to take that to the lord mm-hmm. i don't need their joy mm-hmm. i don't need to steal their joy or rob their joy but now i've seen something that i should have that i do want that i do want And I'm going to go to the Lord with that.
1: Well, that's a great uh, perspective as well. So I wanted to bring up, so I did a group a couple of weeks ago in Armor of Light Master's class, Mm -hmm. and we did it on jealousy and envy. And I created some questions that were designed to poke at some things. And um, the ladies in the group, they're they're very, very honest, and they'll go go very deep. And we, we had a pretty robust discussion around this. So we were talking also about Well, what's the opposite of jealousy and envy? And as we unpack the conversation further, one thing that was the opposite of jealousy and envy was contentedness. Mm -hmm. It was contentedness in, I'm who I am, you're who you are, and what you have doesn't take away from what I have. I can actually celebrate what you have, even if you have what I don't have, because I'm okay with what I have. Envy and jealousy can't celebrate you, and envy and jealousy can't be happy for you. As we further unpacked it, though, what I found was unity was the opposite of envy and jealousy. And as we see in, uh, I marked out this scripture, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a crowd of, of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily entangles us, and let us run our race with endurance, the race that is set before us. So we started to talk about that each of us has our own race that God has set out before each of us. Each of us was created with a Jeremiah 29 11, that only I can walk in. I can't walk in your plans and purposes. Right. I can't run your race. I'm not cut to run Esther's race. I'm cut to run my race because the Lord put in me what I need to run the race that he mapped out for me. But jealousy and envy will make me look at your race, and your race is better than mine. I like your stuff better than mine. And now I've actually gotten so distracted with envy and jealousy that I'm not even in my own race, mm-hmm. that I'm coveting something that isn't mine, that I can't have. I can't stand before God with your oil or your race, or I, I won't. But I do have, I have my own race marked out, and I have the plans and purposes. So as we, as we continue to have this conversation, as you know, Esther... My friend here was uh, one of the guests that I had as a speaker for Armor of Light Master's class. So I brought in a collection of my wonderful, beautiful, powerful, anointed, successful women of God. I brought in a collection of, of women that are my friends to Armor of Light Master's class. And each one of you has things I don't have and amazing things. So I'd said to the ladies in the group, I want you to experience Esther. And I want you to experience Crystal, and I want you to experience Pastor D, because each one of you just has amazing things to offer. And you having these amazing things to offer doesn't take away from what I have to offer. I have wonderful things to offer, but really showing the women in this group that there were seasoned women of God celebrating each other and showing them your your gifts and talents don't diminish mine. Mm-hmm. actually, what a body working together looks like is when the women of God, the men of God, the people of God actually link arms and walk out our faith together, running our races individually, but also running them side by side, not in competition, but actually it celebrating and pointing things out. So I really saw the women in this group see like really see, because I know they watch, like mm-hmm. they're watching us. They're watching us as as leaders and really watching them see we genuinely, genuinely celebrate each other, genuinely marvel at the um, mighty exploits that God does through each one of us. And, you know, that verse that says one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight. And if I'm doing my math right, that means four will put 10,000 to flight and eight will put a hundred thousand to flight and 16 will put a million to flight. So why not? Why wouldn't Satan be really trying to put wedges in between people so that we are so uh, consumed with envy and jealousy that we can't run this
0: race together
1: in celebration?
0: Right. And I think you brought up such a a key point. Your gifts and talents can't stop me and won't stop me or don't diminish me in any way. But my envy can over yours. So. I can get so fixated on your race and what you're doing that I forget to run my own. Exactly. I can sabotage my own progress and my own work and then at the end of it go, my goodness, I've not accomplished or done or had all of these successes or victories, whatever that is. And I can try to blame you because my eyes were on you. But really it's because I have allowed envy to interfere with my race, envy is the interfering space. In Proverbs mm-hmm. 14, 30, it says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, yes. but envy rots the bones. Rots the bones. It's it's really destructive. It is the thing that interferes. It's that competitive idea that only one of us is going to win the race. Only one of us can win the race. Right. That there's not victory for all of us in completing the race. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we do think of it in a, a much more highly competitive Olympic mentality than in maybe the 10K on the weekends kind of <laughs> mentality. Like we're all going to get medals if we pass the finish line. The Lord knows the skills he's given us, the body he's given us, the strength we have, and he's proud of us for finishing in the time that we do, as long as we're diligent, as long as we're staying on track, that's a victory. Yeah, I love you know the metaphor about staying in your lane.
1: Yep. And uh, I-, I was thinking, uh, with full disclosure, my sister and I were born on May 11th and May 12th, four years and one day apart. So when I was four years old, my sister was born the day after my birthday, and my mother was not there for my birthday so i when i i unpack my own jealousy questions and i realized that i was jealous of my sister being born on that day and there was a a a competition for my mother's affection in those in those early years of my life as it really was never addressed and it was something that i felt festered in me for a long time Uh, i want to say i came by it honestly Mm-hmm. but there, there was just, a, I see it, we can see it in a lot of families, a little bit of a one-up, one-down syndrome. If I'm up, you, If I'm up, I've am up, i got to keep you down. And if you're up, I've got to get you down so that I can be back up. Jealousy and envy doesn't leave space for everybody to be up.
0: It does not. It is a zero-sum process. It's a, a thought process that there's only so many slices to the pizza pie. And if you take one, that's one less for me. And it's not the concept that there is enough resources and there's enough for all of us that I only need to be looking for what I need and I can trust that you'll get what you need and we can each be doing well. So it does create this kind of hoarding sense. Like I need to gather as much as I can. I need to be protective. I need to keep you from getting any, whether that's affection or opportunities or possessions, anything. Mm -hmm. Because there's only so much in the world, only so much success, only so much glory or attention or time or love. And this is really where it gets dangerous, isn't it, Jill? In oh, the yes. love concept. Yes. In 1 Corinthians thirteen four, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. So love and envy cannot function together. Not only can envy rot our bones, it really can rot our love. Well, I love that you said that they can't exist together.
1: And I always see Satan as a green, a green (laughs) being, not a red one, because ultimately he is the one who was so jealous and envious of God Almighty that he said, I will ascend on high and Mm -hmm. I will take, he would ascend on high and, and I'm paraphrasing it, but that he would dethrone God and take over. The kingdom and he was expelled with the third of the angels that he somehow seduced them into believing he was going to be able to do that and i believe that jealousy and envy are one of the main engines of satan to try to get us off get us out of our lane get us off our out of our jeremiah twenty nine eleven plans and purposes um because when i'm comparing and competing with other people i'm not in my own space i i've thought that um the, the engines of envy and jealousy are often comparison and competition, mm-hmm. if you can see that. And um, we see a lot of damage in our culture with um, envy and jealousy and comparison and competition. And like you just said, love doesn't exist where there's envy and jealousy, if there's only so
0: much to go around. I think it's why this is such an important conversation right now. So many of us are feeling like we're living our lives more virtually than we normally would. We're interacting, our social interactions are much more curated. Curated, great (laughs) word. And so what we have is this curated version of our lives. And we see the pictures our friends post or the comments that they post, and we can get that real comparison mentality. We can begin to resent and feel sorry for ourselves. Self-pity comes into envy and jealousy a lot as well. I don't have that, I'm not getting that result, this is harder for me than it is for them. And it's often based on not realistic information or not enough information and complete facts because we're living at a distance and we're not seeing, yes, they have good moments, but they're struggling as well like everybody else. This is a challenging time for everybody. I think that this is really a key time. A lot of people are beginning to think that everybody else's lives are really what is being shown on social media and and through the internet, those sorts of things. Can't be. Right? <laughs> Can't be. In first Peter two, one and two it says, Therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all sh- slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So in this verse we're supposed to like small children, right? Put aside all of these things. Well, I'm a grown adult and it's not as easy as as the words might sometimes make it seem. But I think the answer is here in this verse. I do. I see it. Yep. <laughs> it's it's Put in the word. Put aside and take up. Right. We cannot hold the word tightly and hold our envy and jealousy tightly at the same time. Love that. We, we need to make a decision what we're going to hold on to, who we're going to hold on to if we want to grow. And I love that this verse says that you can grow in respect to salvation. So we're, we're growing and we're developing and we need to, to recognize that envy and jealousy aren't going to let us grow. No, they're going to stagnate
1: and they're actually going to be an infection. So I love the, the way that text speaks, because what it's saying is, I lo- this is just the economy of Jesus, is you put that aside and you get this, you know? So you put aside those lateral ugly things and you put in place the pure milk, the washing of the water of the word. And, you know, my, I'm always going to take people to that relationship prayer place of, uh, Jesus, how do you see me? Jesus, who I am? am I to you? Jesus, how are you loving me? Because that's part of the pure milk of the word. Is who we, who he says we are, how he sees us. Jesus, what does my race look like? Jesus, how has you marked it out for me? And Jesus, what does it look like when I I just get my? How do you want to steer me back as the good shepherd who keeps us on that path? Because that that verse says he is the way. The mm-hmm. way as a person. So how do you how do you want to steer me back onto that path that is the way and away from envy and jealousy and hypocrisy and all of what that text just mentioned, as you give me something to replace it. He gives and takes away. He does. He doesn't say, just say, don't do that. Like he'll say, don't do that.
0: Do, do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're looking for the practicality, right? We're looking, how, how am I going to watch this out? What's the context? I think the other thing is we begin to look at how we see other people. And instead of allowing ourselves to go to that place of self-pity or that place of fear, or shame that, even. Or shame even, that opens the door for jealousy and envy. We begin to celebrate what they have, what the Lord is doing, their growth and their victory. And and we really work to become fans, cheerleaders yes. of the people in yes, our lives.
1: It's so edifying. It's so, I know that's a fancy word, but it's just so good. It is. It's just so good. And really just to watch how... I just think some of us really haven't had those cheerleaders or those mm-hmm. people to say, Man, you got this. You are doing so well. Well done. I love to say that. I love to see that happen for people. And I I I, you know, I, I want to say most of my clients, about 80% of my clients are women, but I do happy to work with men if you'd like to give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> but I I really love to see the body of Christ at work where we just come alongside people and cheer them on to greater greater things. Mm -hmm. We really need that. A lot of people a lot of us grew up in family systems where we really were starved for that kind of nourishment in our emotional, spiritual beings. We're just really starved for it. And you really can just see people come to life when you just start to notice them and just call them forward and I want to say thank you
0: to you cuz you do that. You do that for me oh, and I appreciate it. It's my honor. I love that when we get to celebrate other people, it enriches us. It builds us up. It is this unique thing that as we give, we get. Yes. And we get to partake in it. And we kind of get to feel like if if you're a football fan or a soccer fan and your team wins, you feel a little bit like you won, right? right. You, you <laughs> didn't take that victory, right? You were not out on the field, but you feel like you won. And, and when you're cheering for the people in your lives and you're celebrating their victories, you get to share in that victory. And you brought up a really good point. For many of us, this is not something that we grew up seeing modeled, that we grew up having this experience. I teach an interpersonal communication class. And one of the lessons that I teach is h- how to give affirmation, validation, and compliment. Nice. Some of us heard backhanded compliments so much criticism, reproof, and instruction. Right. We <laughs> we don't know how to do that, and we don't know how good it feels to affirm somebody, to validate somebody, to recognize the good in them, and then. We don't know then what that feels like to have that reflected in the way that they treat us. And we don't do it because they're going to treat us well. But there is this softening and this sweetness, and there's something in the air. Yeah, so good. When you're in those relationships and those experiences. And it's a great way to break the jealousy, it's a great way to break the envy. And I think if we begin to say to the Lord in our prayers, I'm feeling this fear, I'm feeling this envy this jealousy, Lord, how can I celebrate them? How can I see what you're doing in their lives, what you're gifting them with, how you're honoring and blessing them? How can I share in that? I think that changes our perspective. Oh, it does. I like to
1: ask, you know, when I'm working with people that have conflict, I'll encourage them, uh, ask Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, who did you create this person to be? And how can I join with you in what you're doing in their life? Mm-hmm. How can I join with you? Show me how you created them so that I can see from your perspective and not mine. I want to see from heaven's perspective, especially with a person I'm in conflict with or a person that I may be jealous of, I being, you know, whoever we're talking right. about.
0: <laughs> so I think that's a, a super valuable strategy. That's super important to be able to ask the Lord and then to join in with that. Then I think there's the other thing we do need to take our eyes off of the other people sometimes. And this is a weird thing. Sometimes as Christians, we feel like, well, I don't want to do too much introspection. It's not all about me. I don't want to spend too much time (laughs) thinking about me. But there is something really valuable to say, Lord, I know that you're blessing me. But right now I'm having a hard time seeing it. Could you show me? Could you remind me? I'd like to see how you've given me these opportunities or these gifts or these blessings. Help me to be more aware. We can ask the Lord for that. And we can spend some time looking at what he has given us. And then it helps us not to feel such a disparity.
1: Well, I just had a little, you know, I, I, like, I like little one-liners. We're a culture of memes now. But <laughs> I, I said to my group, uh, one of my groups, uh, Wednesday Night Girls, I said, while you're waiting for your next miracle, reflect on your last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no there's no christians that i know that haven't had some miracles he's a miracle working god at all times and in the in the times of just feeling a little dry uh jesus how do you see me mm-hmm. uh, I, I call them love deposits i need love deposits like that that verse you just read in corinthians really suggests that he he, he is love he is never ending his love is patient kind endures much And he's given us that same agape supernatural love. When we go to the source, he'll give it to us. So I need to, because I actually wasn't raised in a a home that demonstrated or spoke love at all. Like it just wasn't spoken of. There wasn't anything physical, um, hugs, nothing like that. So in my adult life, I am very huggy. And I I love to give words of affirmation. But I also really want to go to the well uh, the deep well of the love of God and, and get the love deposits that I need so I can pour it out where I'm going to pour it out. But we're for these finite vessels. I think we need to keep going to the source to get those deposits of, of love and peace and joy. Keep going to the source. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. We don't need to feel like it's selfish in those moments. It's the, the good kind time. of selfish. It's the good kind. It's, <laughs> It's a good self-care in this spiritual self-care, emotional self-care, to ask the Lord to show us these things and to spend that time, really remembering His goodness to us, His gifts to us. The other thing that I think is really helpful is in Exodus twenty seventeen it says, "Do not covet your neighbor's house," and it goes on to don't cover a bunch of other th- covet a bunch of other things, and anything that belongs to your neighbor. And years ago, I heard somebody talking about this, and and what they said is. What this verse is really telling you is don't go around counting your neighbor's stuff. Right. <laughs> That's good. So it's good. If I see that the Lord is blessing you, I want to celebrate that. I want to be excited for you. But what's going to make me start to transition into jealousy is if I'm like, the Lord has blessed you with a lot of sheep. I'm going to count them. Seven, eight, nine, 10. Oh, look, and five chickens and Four, that's more than I have. Why do I only have three? Right. God oh, loves you better. The Lord has blessed you with how many cars are in your driveway, how many bedrooms are in your house, how many whatever that is, don't count your neighbors' blessings. It says count
1: your blessings, count doesn't your blessings, it. it? Doesn't it? I don't
0: right. know if it says it in the Bible, but I know it's a it's a Christian concept to count your blessings. We want to count ours, don't count your neighbors. Yes. And that's a part of what leads to covetousness. And Christians, when we hear the word covet, we get those lantana like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to do that, right? Mm. That goes with envy and jealousy. And that's about having this tally. They have more than I do. I'm coveting them. It is a little bit about wanting theirs, right? They have more than I do. I'll go take theirs. I have a right to it. But it's also about this fixation on how much they have. And that, that's that comparison. Uh-huh. And this is something that we really want to be careful with as Christians. And sometimes this isn't just about stuff, right? It's not about the cars. You go, I don't covet how many cars you car- have. I don't care about you can, cars. you can covet someone's
1: looks. You can covet someone's job. You can covet someone's relationship. And
0: sometimes it's about opportunities, perceived advantages. Those things can be really hard for young people. And we can feel like, I know this is an area that I have struggled with in my life. Lord, how come you're opening the doors for somebody else? They have that ministry opportunity, and I don't feel like I have it right now. How come you're you're opening the doors? I see their divine appointments. I see their opportunities, and I feel like I don't have that right now. And this is where we want to be really careful not to count what we think our neighbors have. I think you may bring up a really good point about the open doors of ministry.
1: Because there's something that I recall, I'm questioning if I should do another full disclosure, (laughs) but in my early years as a Christian, and I want to underline that it was my early years, that there was a reason doors weren't open for me, because I was young. I was Mm -hmm. young in the Lord. And I want to thank my pastors that didn't put me places i wasn't ready to be because i had i had gifts or talents because i did not have the culture uh, the the character yet mm-hmm. so i had very wonderful pastors and leaders in those early years that incrementally put me places where i thought i was ready to be in in way bigger things because i thought well i know how to sing so I, you know i've been a singer and a musician for 20 years so i come to church and now i should be on platforms and like my pastor was Very good about incrementally putting me places because I wasn't ready. So if any of you are young and struggling with you think that doors are opening for other people that aren't aren't opening for you, my suggestion is that you pray that you only walk through doors that Jesus opens for you. Because if you're coveting that way, trust and believe Satan will open doors for you. And you do not want to walk through satanic open doors. Because envy and jealousy can create this feeling in you that you need to make something happen because it's not happening. That's how we got Ishmael. <laughs> you know, you don't want Ishmael doors. You don't want Ishmael opportunities. You want the ones the Lord gives you. So, my prayer over in those years and continues to be, Lord, I only want to walk through the doors that you open. Don't let me walk through any of those other doors that maybe my impatience—that mm-hmm. is, you know, the impatience is real.
0: It is. <laughs> and and it's it's a challenge. And sometimes then what happens is you get so attached, like the one door does open, you want to shut the door behind you. Like this is just for me. <laughs> I get this. And and you become this kind of really protective the
1: protector of the, the of the door. Of the door
0: of the opportunity. And that's really coming from envy and jealousy as well. And something that we want to avoid. Well, I've really learned from amazing people that have been um, doors for me that I want to
1: be a door for people as well. When Jesus tells me to, I, I'm very careful I, with, the, with the people that I minister to. I, am not, I don't want to put anybody anywhere they're not ready to be either. But I, do, my, my, I really do pray to be an open door to help people, to sponsor people to the next level. Hopefully you guys understand what I'm talking about.
0: (laughs) I think this has been a really delicate topic that we've been able to explore with some practicality and some scripture. So I really enjoyed our time today. Me too. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. And I hope that all of our listeners have a very blessed week. Bless you. Talk soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Life in Context, hosted by Jill Shankles and Esther DeWitt edited and produced by BizFid Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and follow us and like us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. For more information on who we are and what we do,
1: you can follow Jill at jillshankles.com, that's Jill, S-H-A-N-K-L-E-S.com, and on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Esther at peaceprof.com, that's peace, fcom and at Peace Prof on Twitter and Facebook.